Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes, and we're continuing our walk through the book of Luke, and we've now come to uh, kind of towards the end of Luke chapter 5, and Luke chapter 5 is pretty neat because it begins with Jesus calling his first four followers uh, that were fishermen, that became fishers of men. Of course, I'm talking about Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and then at the end of Luke chapter 5, Jesus calls his next disciple, which would be his fifth, if we're taking this chronologically, and that was Matthew Levi. Matthew Levi. And there's a lot of differences. These first four uh, followers were all fishermen. Uh, they were blue collar, so to speak. They were uh, working class, so to speak. And then you have this next gentleman, Matthew Levi, who is wealthy who is uh, high class, as it were, uh, and got it by hook and crook, as we'll see. But the point is that there's a lot of parallels, and it kind of makes an inclusio uh, begins and ends uh, with calling. So that being said, Matthew uh, was an interesting character, to say the least. His profession was considered criminal. By any Jew of that day, he would have been considered a traitor, uh, this accusation would not be unfounded either, for as a tax collector in this day, he was most likely a crook. These collectors were notorious for overcharging the people and keeping the change, as it were. They not only capitulated to Roman rule, but essentially they had taken the mindset with Rome, if you can't beat them, join them, as they worked for their Roman overlords. You may well remember earlier in the book of Luke that John the Baptist attested to the sin of the tax collectors when he told them, collect no more than what is appointed for you, Luke 3.13. Nevertheless, this is exactly the man that Jesus calls to be his next disciple, Matthew Levi, who would go on to become one of the original 12 apostles. But one of the most beautiful things about Matthew's story is that it teaches us God can and will use anybody regardless of their sinful past. If somebody repents and follows Jesus, no matter what they've done in the past, it's under the blood and God can use them and he will use them. Now, they must truly repent. I don't want to give you the impression that because God can use anybody, he uh, just gives them a free pass. Because if you follow Jesus, you must forsake sin. I'm just simply stating that God can use the vilest of sinners, wash them clean, and use them for his glory. And so I want to tell you the story, the tax collector's testimony, the tax collector's testimony when Matthew met the master. Luke 5, 27 through 32. And we'll begin our reading there. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave him a feast a great feast, excuse me, in his own house. And there was a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to 
repentance. And so preaching to you on this subject from the text, the tax collector's testimony when Matthew met the master. Now a story comes to us in four scenes or sections, if you will. Number one, the life of Levi before the Lord. Number two, the liberation of Levi by the Lord. Number three, the love of Levi for the Lord. And then finally, and this is kind of sad, number four, the loathing of Levi and the Lord by the Pharisees. Boy, that's sad, ain't it? Man gets saved, God used him, and the people that are supposed to be religious end up being mad about it. But anyways, let's begin. The life of Levi before the Lord, verse 27a. You know, everybody has a testimony, a life they live before the Lord, before they got saved. And that's how this testimony of the tax collector when Matthew met the master begins. We see in verse 27a, the life of Levi before the Lord. As the text says, Jesus saw a tax collector. So considering his life before the Lord, note one, his profession. He was a tax collector. Now we must consider this was the profession of Matthew Levi. So what was a tax collector in Jesus' day? Well, he was an employee of the Roman government. This was a man who was tasked by Rome in an official status to collect the taxes of the people. These men were especially hated by the Jews in Palestine. They saw these men as traitors to their own Jewish brothers, for they collected taxes against their own fellow Hebrews. Now, during this time, Palestine was under the rule of Rome and thus paid taxes to Rome. The tax system itself was easily abused for several reasons. First of all, the Roman government itself could care less what the tax collectors did as long as Rome got its proper cut. If the tax collectors took too much and pocketed the difference, who cares as long as Caesar got his. Second, tax collectors were selected by bidding as one would for a job. Barclay notes of the Romans, they assisted a, excuse me, they assessed a district at a certain figure, then they sold the right to collect the taxes within it to the highest bidder. So as long as they, the buyer, handed over the assessed figure at the end of the year, he was entitled to keep whatever else he could take from the people. And since there were no newspapers or any ways of making public announcements that would reach everyone, the common people really had no idea of what they were going to pay. Uh, from year to year. So what Barclay is saying is that the people really did not have a tax code which lended itself to abuse, and they were really at the mercy of the tax collector. And so it was kind of easy for these tax collectors to abuse because Rome would literally say, who, who, who thinks they can squeeze the people the most, uh, and they would give that job to the highest bidder so people would pay Rome to get the job and then take the job with the understanding that they could make their money back and then some. So <laughs> needless to say, when you when you bid out a job to tax the people, uh, you're going to get a crook. I mean, it, the whole thing was crazy. Now, that being understood, there were three types of taxes in that day. 
excuse me, two, I'm sorry. There were two types of taxes in that day. First, the stated tax, okay? This this tax, this type of tax, this isn't where the abuse came in because this was just across the board, okay? You had the poll tax, okay, which was a stated tax. It was the tax that everybody who lived under Roman rule paid for simply existing. For the men, it was applicable to those ages 14 to 65. For the women, ages 12 to 65, after the age of 65, men or women were no longer required to pay the poll tax. Second, you had the ground tax, which was a tenth of everything you grew had to be turned in to Rome. Third, you had the income tax, 1% of a man's wages. If you made $100, you got to keep 99 and $1 went to Rome, etc., etc., using those numbers for simple math. These were the stated taxes, the poll tax, the, the ground tax, the income tax. There was really not a lot of ways for the tax collector to abuse these because they were just stated taxes. Now, Here's where the abuse came in. Not only did you have the stated taxes that were the same for everybody, but now you have the duty taxes, D-U-T-Y, the duty taxes. These were taxes that people paid for using roads, for having carts, for having wheels on their cart. In fact, I read that one tax collector would go and say, well, you've got four wheels on that cart or five wheels on this cart or six wheels on this cart or two wheels on that cart and he would charge them a certain amount of money per wheel uh then you had that you know they would take a road and say okay if you use this road you owe rome x amount of dollars and see the tax collector himself was the one who set the price for duty taxes (laughs) so really of course he's gonna take abuse in that the duty taxes allowed the the collector not only to become a thief, but also allow him to be a liar. And so if you were going to collect taxes for Rome, you had to be both. You had to be a liar and a stealer, a thief, if you will. Now, for this cause, tax collectors were banned from any and all synagogue and temple activities. The worst thing a Jew could be in the eyes of his fellow Jews was a tax collector, somebody who worked for the man, as it will. He was considered lower than a Gentile, a traitor to his own people, a dog, an infidel, worse than a pagan. And so we see the life of Levi before the Lord. We note his professions, very pertinent to his testimony. But not only his profession, but his pedigree. Look next, it says Matthew Levi. Matthew Levi. Further, we know from Mark's account that Matthew Levi's father's name was Alphaeus. Now, what is significant here is the name Levi means joined. Although most of the 12 tribes were completely lost with little exception by Jesus' day, the tribe of Levi was still together and they were the priest in the land. Now, I believe what is at play is this. That there's some irony. Levi is supposed to collect the tithe for the temple because he's he Matthew Levi's of the tribe of Levi. He was born to be a priest, and instead he's collecting a tenth for Caesar, the false god. I think there's we're supposed to see this irony that he was born to serve the Lord, and yet he's serving the enemy. And in that, we see. Uh, John Q, every man, 
that we were created to serve the Lord, but apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can only do what we do best, and that's sin and serve the Satan, the devil. And so we see that in him, his pedigree. He was born to be a priest, Matthew, Levi. And instead he was following the enemy. Now, by considering his profession and his pedigree, we see the life of Levi before the Lord and that it was marked by sin. That's true of everybody. Before you got saved, you were a lost sinner. Now, secondly, not only the life of Levi before the Lord, but thank God for this, the liberation of Levi by the Lord. That's what Jesus does when he saves you. He liberates you from the bondage, from the chains of sin and brings you into freedom, not freedom to sin, but freedom from sin. And so the liberation of Levi by the Lord. Now, what does that look like? Well, verse 28, uh, he said, follow me. Okay, verse 28a, the text says, so he left all. Levi uh, followed the Lord. He was liberated by the Lord, and this required his forsaking of sin. His forsaking of sin. He let, the Bible says he left all, all the crookedness, all the extortion, all the stolen money, all the lying, all the stealing. He left it. He forsook it. That word in the Greek means to abandon, to leave it. He literally abandoned his sin. He leaves that tax office. He leaves that profession because that profession is in and of itself sinful. And he throws it away. He abandons it. If you're going to be liberated by the Lord, you have to repent. And in order to re repentance, at least means this much, forsaking sin. So the liberation of Levi by the Lord, it connotated his forsaking of sin. Secondly, it required his following of the Savior. Not only his forsaking of sin, but his following of the Savior. The text goes on in verse 28 part B. He followed him. <laughs> he forsook all, and he followed him. Jesus said, follow me, and Luke, uh, Levi said, okay, and he followed him. Let me read it to you again. Verse 28, so he left all, rose up, and followed him. If you're going to be saved, if you're going to be liberated, you have to follow the Lord. You can no longer follow the flesh because guess what? No man can walk in two directions at the same time. It is impossible. True repentance. How do you know you've been liberated by the Lord? Two things. The forsaking of sin and the following of the Savior. If you see those things in your life, then you know you've been liberated by the Lord. We saw his life before the Lord. But thank God of his liberation by the Lord. Now, liberation leads to love. Note in verse 29, the love of Levi for the Lord. When you love, when you are liberated by the Lord, your natural response is going to be to love him. That's why John said in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. Well, how do you know, Pastor? I mean, you sit there and you're telling me that he had this life before the Lord and he's been liberated by the Lord and he's fallen the Lord. How do you know he loved the Lord? I'll tell you how. Because number one, the feast he gave. Verse 29, then Levi gave him, that's Jesus, a great feast in his own house. 
Levi loved the Lord so much that he wanted Jesus to be in the house. He, he wanted to serve Jesus. He wanted to celebrate Jesus. Hey, watch this. He wanted to spend time with Jesus. I'll tell you how I know he loved the Lord. Because of the feast he gave. He gave not only the best he had, but all that he had. His very home, he opened it to the Lord. Come in. Live here, dine here, be celebrated and worshipped here. All of this is typified in the feast he gave, the love of Levi for the Lord. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If you get really saved, if, if you truly are liberated by Christ, you're going to love Christ. That's the, only, that's the only logical response. Secondly, not only the feast he gave, but I'll tell you how we know he loved the Lord. By the friends he invited. He invited some friends to the feast. Why? Because, listen, listen, when you love the Lord, you will have also a desire to introduce others to the Lord. That's right. Oh, yeah. If you truly love God, you'll want to obey God, right? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. What was his last Set of walking orders, his commandment, if you will, the great commission. Go, make disciples. So if you love the Lord, you will have a desire to bring others to the Lord. So we see the love of Levi for the Lord by the feast he gave, verse 29, but also by the friends he invited, verse 29. Now, the testimony of the tax collector sadly takes a turn here, not on his behalf, but here come the righteous, religious, so-called Pharisees. So not only the love of Levi for the Lord, but lastly, in verses 30 through 31, we see the loathing of Levi and the Lord by the Pharisees. Isn't that just like the religious hypocrite crowd? A man gets saved, his life turns around, and here they come, Noses in the air, wet blankets for his fire, and their little judginess going on. These Pharisees despise Jesus and Matthew Levi. How, how so? Note this. Their insinuation against Levi. The text says, and their uh, scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, they didn't say Levi's name, but their insinuation is that Levi is still in sin. Now, we know that Levi had abandoned sin to follow the Savior. But the religious Pharisees, the hypocrites, all they wanted to look at was the man's past and not what he was doing with and through Jesus then and in the future. That's how hypocrites operate. Boy, they love to throw somebody's past up in their face. That's, they live for that, man. And they think their little skeletons remain in hiding. So we see the loathing of Levi and the Lord by the Pharisees, their insinuation against Levi. Not only their insinuation against Levi, but their insinuation against the Lord. This was really a dig at the Lord himself, for they did not understand who he was and what he came to do. He didn't fit their interpretation of what the Messiah was going to be. 
And so they they see him hanging out with sinners and what's worse, tax collectors. What they're insinuating is that the Lord Jesus himself was a sinner is what they're getting at. So we see the loathing of Levi and the Lord by the Pharisees. Now you know what loathe means. It means to hate. It means to hate. Oh, the Pharisees. They just didn't get it. They just didn't get it. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 31. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus said, guys, I came to save sinners. So, yes, I've got to talk to sinners. I've got to sit down with sinners. I've got to love on sinners. I've got to communicate and preach to sinners. They're the whole reason. I came to call sinners. You don't send people that are well to the doctor. You send sick people to the doctor. And the Savior doesn't come to save those who are already following God. He comes to save sinners. The ironic thing is this, that the Pharisees did not consider themselves sinners. And Jesus allowed them to go on in their delusion at this point. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard the tax collector's testimony. When Matthew met the master, we noted several sections of our story. Number one, the life of Levi before the Lord and his profession and pedigree. Number two, the liberation of Levi by the Lord, his forsaking sin and his following the Savior. Number three, the love of Levi for the Lord was proven by the feast he gave and the friends he invited. When you love Jesus, you want other people to meet him too. And finally, we saw the loathing of Levi and the Lord by the Pharisees those religious hypocrites. You know, all of us who know Christ have a testimony, each different and yet each similar. We have a life we live before the Lord, before you got saved. If you're saved, we have received liberation from the Lord, so you got saved. And our love for the Lord is the demonstration of our liberation. You'll love the Lord. And, sadly, there will always be those self-righteous religious hypocrites that want to slam other believers with their past. Boy, don't I know about that. Uh, I, sometimes I, I'll run into somebody that I grew up with or word will get back to me. They say, he's a preacher now. God, I remember when he did. Well, you know, I remember a lot too. But I'll tell you this much, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can uh, bring people's past up and be a Pharisee if you want to. But I thanks be to God that God, what he forgives, he forgets. He throws away. He washes it in the blood. However you want to say it, it's gone. And I want to tell you this. This is a warning. When you go around trying to slam Christians fellow Christians with their past to try to put them down, I'm warning you, you're accusing the brethren. And the Bible says that job's already taken because the book of Revelation says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And so we have the testimony of the tax collector. And let me tell you something. When Matthew met the master, hey, watch this. If Jesus can save Matthew and use him to write the, uh, one of the gospels, to be an apostle. And if he can save Brad Starnes, then he can save you. And you too can have a testimony when you meet 
the master. God bless you. Keep studying the book of Luke.